Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio National Correspondent, on this Friday morning. Rory joins us live. Good morning, Rory. And I guess you have, speaking of those job numbers and economy, you have some holiday shopping tallies. Take it away, Rory. Yeah, you know, a lot of us uh, were pretty surprised at the price tags uh, this holiday season. And 74% tell Wallet Hub inflation affected their holiday spending more than they expected it would. So when we asked people, say, around Halloween, how much do you think you're going to spend for Christmas? They said this much. But then, uh uh-oh, once they got to the stores, they saw the prices and saw things were much higher than expected. 45% of Americans say they spent too much during the holidays. 28% already regret some of the purchases they made. Now, about half should have all the Christmas bills paid by the end of the month. But that means the other half probably put it on credit cards. 28% say it will take three months to pay off all their credit, uh, their Christmas shopping. Yeah, or longer, Rory. <laughs> Those interest rates aren't easy to absorb these days. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Jack. Good morning, New Hampshire. Powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, gig work, gig economy. If you're a retiree, you might be, okay, I know a little bit about this, but we just heard those job numbers earlier. Dr. Vic talked about them. You know, New Hampshire per capita has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country, under 2%. So employers in New Hampshire and state and states across the country are having a hard time finding workers. Government statistics show that few, fewer people are employed than the so prior period, but you know, you just look at the state of New Hampshire. There are hundreds of great state, good-paying, good-benefit jobs in the Department of Transportation, the Department of Safety, to name a few. I think uh, Christina Fitzpatrick joining us, AARP of New Hampshire. Christina, good Friday morning. Welcome to 2024. Good. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, do you want to start maybe with some research that sort of paints the picture, and then we can maybe talk about what this is all about? Yeah, so there was a study done by the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, and they were looking at these employment statistics and saying that the seeing that the percentage of people who are employed is lower than it was than before the pandemic, and they're trying to investigate why. And one thing we know is that more and more people are working in the gig economy. They are doing things like driving for Uber and Lyft, or they are um, doing TaskRabbit or things like that. And so the question is, how does the government statistics account for for things like that? So these are people who are working, but they just don't have a traditional job. And what they found is that um, the statistics aren't aren't accurate. The the current surveys don't account for that well. And if they did, that um, the employment rate would be higher. And that's particularly true for older workers. So there's some this uh, there's some feeling that if, if older workers don't want to work anymore, and if they did, our employment crisis wouldn't be um, wouldn't be as as big as it is now. But what we know is they are working. They're just a lot of them are doing it through gig work. So about half the people who were counted as non-employed in these surveys are um, older workers. Interesting. Now, you've re- AARP has released a survey, I believe, that offers some information, you know, about older adults and, and the gig work, gig economy. What does that show, Christina? Our research shows that over a quarter of Americans age 50 and older are currently doing freelance or gig work. And sometimes that's in addition to a traditional job. 
sometimes that is um, they're, that's all they're doing. A lot of them are retired and um, and trying to make extra income, or they just want to um, be involved in some way. You know, it's interesting, Christina. Just a couple of anecdotes when you're talking about what your survey shows. I have a couple of contacts. I have a good. I have a, a friend, a, you know, person I know that lives locally. He's owned a few companies. He's, I guess, technically in that AARP age bracket, if you will. You know, he's, getting, he's not retired, but he was kind of like slowing down. Has some rental properties. Had his own business. Sold it. You know, entrepreneurial. And he was frankly bored. And mm-hmm. you know. Wanted, you know, has a younger family, wanted to think about what to do. And I'm not going to name the employer he went to, but in New Hampshire, he went to, let's just say they have multiple locations on the home building side. And they had no idea what to expect. He's now basically a new manager there, and he's like a little kid. He loves it. He's getting up early in the morning. He's off to work. He talks about it. He loves the he loves the mission. He loves the team. He's busy again. So getting people back. And the other story I had, Christina, unrelated, is when I, when I go to Florida to visit or do the show from down there from time to time, you know, Publix is a well-known, you know, grocery store giant in the south. You know, we have Hannaford here. I was talking about Market Basket earlier. When you go into Publix in Florida, and I'm being serious, it's an, they're an employee-owned group. And you can go there to get some groceries if you're visiting, and they actually have a person like you know used to be an executive in the banking world with you know the name tag on Publix, and they're recruiting. When they'll walk around the store while you're shopping and come up to you and talk to you, very nice, non-soliciting. Hey, do you live here? And you'll say no. Well, if you did, I'm just gonna tell you there's great part-time work and a career for you, even if you you know ran ten businesses here at Publix and I'm just laughing at what a smart thing to do so with just some right. anecdotes with some anecdotes told you for you but on that note what can employers here Christina do if they want to convince some of these workers to come back to traditional jobs well one of the things people um, turn to gig work for freelance work for is to have more flexibility with their schedule both when they work and where they work and so that's something that employers, that if they have jobs where this is a, a possibility, letting people telecommute some of the time, letting them set their own hours, um, those can, are really attractive things. Um, and then there are other things they can do that will help, um, help people to, a lot of them, we know, have caregiving responsibilities. Like 20% of older workers currently have caregiving responsibilities. And so if you can provide some flexibility with the use of sick leave and things like that, those are the kinds of things that will inspire loyalty and really attract workers. That's, you know what, that, that's the kind of stuff we need to hear. What about tools in terms of workers who prefer to work on their own? You have a bunch of great resources at AARP that you provide. Can you talk about that, Christina? Yeah, we have something called Work for Yourself at 50 Plus. And we have a, a toolkit that's kind of a getting started place that helps you walk through, like, is it a good idea for you to go off on your own? Like, what do you have in place? What do you need to have in place? There's a um, there's also a freelancing resource center that has a getting started series that helps teach you the basics of marketing and networking and writing proposals, um, electronic payment methods. Like, how do you get one of those square things that people have on their phones? So there's um, it's just a rich, rich source of information there that um, people can use if they're thinking about starting their own business or they already have. Great stuff this morning is I think there's more people out there, Christina, AARP, New Hampshire, one of their great leaders here, um, 
that are right on that line, right on that line that you were talking about. One of these tools, one of the resources, how does it apply to them? Do I do this? Do I go traditional, the gig stuff, part-time, full-time? And the best way to follow up, as always, Christina, is how? This time what I would suggest people do is just search, do a web search for work for yourself, AARP, and it will get you to the right place. All right. Christina, great stuff. And, uh, well, it's it's an ongoing one. We should do more on this subject because I think it hits home to a lot of people, and I just got some great feedback from listeners. Thank you, Christina. You're welcome. Take care. Good morning, New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, gig work, gig economy. If you're a retiree, you might be, okay, I know a little bit about this, but we just heard those job numbers earlier. Dr. Vic talked about them. You know, New Hampshire per capita has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country, under 2%. So employers in New Hampshire and state and states across the country are having a hard time finding workers. Government statistics show that few, fewer people are employed than the so prior period. And, you know, you just look at the state of New Hampshire. There are hundreds of great state good-paying, good-benefit jobs in the Department of Transportation, the Department of Safety, to name a few. I think uh, Christina Fitzpatrick joining us, AARP of New Hampshire. Christina, good Friday morning. Welcome to 2024. Good. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, do you want to start maybe with some research that sort of paints the picture, and then we can maybe talk about what this is all about? Yeah. So there is a study done by the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. And they were looking at these employment statistics and saying that the seeing that the percentage of people who are employed is lower than it was than before the pandemic. And they're trying to investigate why. And one thing we know is that more and more people are working in the gig economy. They are doing things like driving for Uber and Lyft or they are um, doing TaskRabbit or things like that. And so the question is, how does the government statistics account for for things like that? So these are people who are working, but they just don't have a traditional job. And what they found is that um, the statistics aren't aren't accurate. They're the, the current surveys don't account for that well. And if they did, that um, the employment rate would be higher. And that's particularly true for older workers. So there's some this uh, there's some feeling that if, if older workers don't want to work anymore, and if they did, our employment crisis wouldn't be um, wouldn't be as as big as it is now. But what we know is they are working. They're just a lot of them are doing it through gig work. So about half the people who were counted as not employed in these surveys are um, older workers. Interesting. Now, you've re- AARP has released a survey, I believe, that offers some information, you know, about older adults and, and the gig work, gig economy. What does that show, Christina? Our research shows that over a quarter of Americans age 50 and older are currently doing freelance or gig work. And sometimes that's in addition to a traditional jobs. Sometimes that is, um, they're, that's all they're doing. A lot of them are retired. And, um, and trying to make extra income, or they just want to um, be involved in some way. You know, it's interesting, Christina, just a couple of anecdotes when you're talking about what your survey shows. I have a couple of contacts. I have a good, I have a, a friend, a you know, person I know that lives locally. He's owned a few companies, 
he's, I guess, technically in that AARP age bracket, if you will. You know, he's, getting, he's not retired, but he was kind of like slowing down, has some rental properties, had his own business, sold it, you know, entrepreneurial. And he was frankly bored and, mm-hmm. you know, wanted, you know, has a younger family, wanted to think about what to do. And I'm not going to name the employer he went to, but in New Hampshire, he went to, let's just say they have multiple locations on the home building side. And I had no idea what to expect. He's now basically a new manager there, and he's like a little kid. He loves it. He's getting up early in the morning. He's off to work. He talks about it. He loves the he loves the mission. He loves the team. He's busy again. So getting people back. And the other story I had, Christina, unrelated, is when I, when I go to Florida to visit or do the show from down there from time to time, you know, Publix is a well-known you know, grocery store giant in the South. You know, we have Hannaford here. I was talking about Market Basket earlier. When you go into Publix in Florida, and I'm being serious, it's an, a, they're an employee-owned group, and you can go there to get some groceries if you're visiting, and they actually have a person, like, you know, used to be an executive in the banking world with, you know, the name tag on, Publix, and they're recruiting. And they'll walk around the store while you're shopping and come up to you and talk to you, very nice, non-soliciting, hey, do you live here? And you'll say, no. Well, if you did, I'm just going to tell you, there's great part-time work and a career for you, even if you, you know, ran 10 businesses here at Publix. And I'm just laughing at what a smart thing to do. So with just some right. anecdotes with some anecdotes for you. But on that note, what can employers here, Christina, do if they want to convince some of these workers to come back to traditional jobs? Well, one of the things people um, turn to gig work for, freelance work for, is to have more flexibility with their schedule, both when they work and where they work. And so that's something that employers, that if they have jobs where this is a, a possibility, letting people telecommute some of the time, letting them set their own hours, um, those can are really attractive things. Um, and then there are other things they can do that will help um, help people to, a lot of them, we know, have caregiving responsibilities. Like 20% of older workers currently have caregiving responsibilities. And so if you can provide some flexibility with the use of sick leave and things like that, those are the kinds of things that will inspire loyalty and really attract workers. That's You know what, that, that's the kind of stuff we need to hear. What about tools in terms of workers who prefer to work on their own? You have a bunch of great resources at AARP that you provide. Can you talk about that, Christina? Yeah, we have something called Work for Yourself at 50 Plus. And we have a a toolkit that's kind of a getting started place that helps you walk through, like, is it a good idea for you to go off on your own? Like, what do you have in place? What do you need to have in place? There's a... Um, there's also a freelancing resource center that has a getting started series that helps teach you the basics of marketing and networking and writing proposals, um, electronic payment methods. Like how do you get one of those square things that people have on their phones? So there's, um, it's just a rich, rich source of information there that um, people can use if they're thinking about starting their own business or they already have. Great stuff this morning is I think there's more people out there, Christina, AARP, New Hampshire, one of their great leaders here, um, that are right on that line, right on that line that you were talking about. One of these tools, one of the resources, how does it apply to them? Do I do this? Do I go traditional, the gig stuff, part-time, full-time? And the best way to follow up, as always, Christina, is how? This time what I would suggest people do is just search, do a web search for work for yourself, AARP, and it'll get you to the right place. 
All right. Christina, great stuff. And uh, well, it's it's an ongoing one. We should do more on this subject because I think it hits home to a lot of people, and I just got some great feedback from listeners. Thank you, Christina. You're welcome. Take care. We were tight in the hour. And Chief Mark Armaganian, New Hampshire Liquor Enforcement, former one of the former commanders of New Hampshire State Police, great friend of the public safety side of New Hampshire, great friend of mine in our, our show, Good Morning New Hampshire, was on just talking about a new initiative in 2024, and we ran out of time. So you don't do that to Chief Armageddon. I want to get it back on to finish the thought. So I'm a man, I'm a man of my word. We're making good with the Chief. Chief, thanks for coming back on. You're a class act, Jack. You are a class act. <laughs> well, all I wanted to do is make sure that we, we relay to your listeners and, and not only our visitors of New Hampshire but our communities out there that, that it is uh, mocktail month. January is mocktail month. And there are some good websites to go to within the New Hampshire Liquor Commission. And, and one of them um, that uh, I wanted to make sure everybody had was our, just our informational uh, portion of it, which is www.liquorandwineoutlets, which is our normal website, .com, backslash responsibility. And what you'll find on that is, and it, it, it's something that's out of the box and, and outside of the, the four corners of the office for us over here in Division of Enforcement, um, but it has an extensive online recipe guideline um, of mocktails, uh, which, which I thought was a very cool idea. Yeah, I think it is. Um, yeah. And, and uh and and you'll you can find out more information about us as a whole uh, as New Hampshire Liquor Commission. Um, you can see some great statements by our chairman Joe Malika and Deputy Commissioner uh, Nicole Jordan, and and of course our website is attached to that one, uh, the www.newhampshireliquorenforcement.com, uh, where you could get information about us and our training and our education platform, but. As I said earlier, um, we're really proud of our, our licensees and New Hampshire as a whole, the 603 as a whole, because at the end of the day, uh, we really try to do it right by the second. And in starting with responsible service and drinking responsibly, and you know what, coming up with alternatives to consuming alcohol, and this is a great way to start. So I just wanted to take a second to relay that information to your listeners and 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 hopefully we can get some good feedback because on the website there is areas or there are areas to to give some feedback on on what you think about some of these recipes and our ideas about mocktail month and and our you'll see a list of those those licensees that are uh, actually at their establishments are offering mocktails um, and, and like I said, there's over 70 of those, and, and Brown Foreman has been a great partner uh, with the Liquor Commission in, in promoting this, so I definitely want to mention them and the effort that they put in. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, live free and host responsibly, right? So that's what we're striving for every day of the week, and, and you know, hopefully uh, we're doing it right and and people are acknowledging that they like the way we're doing business. So that's all I wanted to do is relay that to you, Jack, and your listeners, and I thank you for the extra opportunity. 
I, I get hard stops and, and there's no reason to apologize on that. And like I said, you're a class act. So thank you very much. All right. And, uh, thank you, Mark, uh, Chief Armageddon, New Hampshire Liquor Enforcement. Great stuff. Mocktail month. Good, good idea on the recipes. Good feedback. And, uh, enjoy the game. I know you're a big football sports fan this week and I know you were a punt. I know you were a punter in high school or college. Thank you, Mark. Oh, thank you, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Raffio, author of the book Stories from the Starting Line, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental Radio, talking about his show this week and some great events. Some snow on the way. He's probably going to be out running through it. Take it away, Tom. So here we go. So let's just start with the snow on Sunday. So we did have a race set at Hopkinton, um, but given the snow, and by the way, that race, I know you're a dog lover, um, is for Granite State Dog Recovery. Last year we, we lost for six days a young black German shepherd. Um, we got him back through the Grand State re- uh, Recovery. So, but given the the snow, we're going to move that race to January 28th. So that's my public service announcement, Jack. How's how's that? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's good. Good job. Good job. Uh, and then uh, and we have a bunch of other races, snowshoe races and stuff. But I'll talk about that uh, next week. And then um, I also want to mention that uh, since you mentioned stories from the starting line, we did add a twelfth chapter. We had uh, the book was published in June. Everybody loves the book because a lot of people are in it. I had about 20 other runners say, hey, I wish I was in the book. So the way Amazon works, when you uh, you can update your book and then you send the files to Amazon, then they load it. So probably by mid-next week, if you buy the book on Amazon, you'll have that additional chapter. And then I'll work with the local bookstores to get the, the new edition of the book. So it's worked out well. We had a race on um, um um, New Year's Day and the Millennium Mile. Uh, Ellen and I ended up winning our age group for the Millennium Running Series. She's legitimate. I just uh, won based on participation points. Um, and then on a, on a two serious <laughs> notes, uh, well, I, di- I didn't miss a race, and so uh, 90% of life is showing up, someone once said. But you mentioned customer service, so I've experienced that we, you know, it, it, customer service is expensive, but to give you an idea, we. Um, in the month of December, um, it took, if you called our toll-free number, 800-832-5700, you got, f- in five seconds, you got a human being, and the average for the entire year was 30 seconds. So while I'm still leading and hope to for many years, Northeast Delta Dental, you'll always be able to get the human touch. Now, we have the best technology because some people, like you say, want to 10 o'clock at night check on something. But between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., you'll get, you'll, you'll get a human being. And finally, for my veterans friends, I've tried to explain this a few times. It seems to be working. I spoke with a, um, an older gentleman this week. He gets it. Like, if you're eligible for the VA, if you were POW, fully disabled, you can get service at the uh, VA. If you're eligible for Medicaid, you can get your benefits there. But if you're not, op- if you're eligible for neither one of those, then is when Delta Dental's uh, Veterans Program comes in. Just call me at 223-1300. And this weekend, I have Terry Robinson on on the Black Heritage Trail, New Hampshire, and you're, we talked about that. Awesome. So anyway, so that's the group. And now you have Steve. Looking forward to some snow and some skiing, and uh, we'll talk on Monday. Hey, let's uh, do a special hour sometime you want in our studios with your network of uh, dentists to talk about the veteran thing. That would be a great thing to showcase some of these unsung yeah. heroes and your practices that you support. Exactly, and, and there's so many different avenues right. where a veteran can be served, so happy to do that.